0: And so Thomas has some just obvious struggles with this whole issue of Jesus being alive. Back in the, in the day in British military history, there's a story of the Duke of Wellington fighting in France for the crown of England. And of course, they won the victory, and so they sent the message back. But it's in the back of the day when they used lights and blinkers. And the, and the message was only four words. Wellington defeated the enemy. And as they sent that message, of course, each letter is a, a different, you know, signal for the letter. And, and, and as they were saying the message, about halfway through, Wellington defeated, a fog entered the, the English Channel. Wellington defeated, that's the message. And literally for three days, I mean, Britain was kind of in this uproar, the stock market crashed, people were despondent, and finally the, the fog cleared, and they resent the message, Wellington defeated the enemy, and it was like, oh, we're okay, we're okay. And that's exactly the story of the resurrection, John chapter 20 you have your Bibles, and we encounter Thomas right in there. Thomas is kind of forced to answer this question, who do you say that I am? Now Thomas, well, you're a great teacher of the Christ, but you're dead. You're the dead Savior, crucified, horribly executed. That's who you are. And so in John chapter 20, it tells us the resurrection stories. It tells us how Mary Magdalene discovers Jesus' tomb, how the John and Peter went and and, you know found it too, and then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, and then it says on verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. I mean, the movement was sort of in question at this point. All that they'd lived for, all that they'd done, all that they'd believed in and followed was kind of like, what do we do now? I mean, they took care of Jesus. Are they going to take care of us now? Who knows, right? It's sort of this, this fear, right? I mean the reality of the death of Jesus was was horrific. Everything they'd they'd been doing the last three years was kind of was gone. And, and now they were forced to, what do we do do next? But but the fact that Peter and John and Mary Magdalene had seen something significant, I mean, it was preparing them for this moment where it says in the end of verse 19 Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The door's locked, it's secure. And suddenly there's Jesus, boom, right in front of them. Peace be with you. In the midst of all the, the, the horror of the cross and the death, Jesus' message to the disciples, the first words are, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and his, his disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I mean, guys, this mission is going to move forward now. I'm alive, and, and, and you've got to go share this message with others. And It's exciting, but it says in verse 24 that Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Who's, where's Thomas? I don't know where Thomas is. He's, he's, he's AWOL, but Thomas, of course, has the, the reputation in, in the Gospels as being the, you know, the negative one. We call him Doubting Thomas, you know, the pessimist. You guys that are more pessimistic were like, no, he's a realist, right? That, that's Thomas, right? Glass half empty kind of guy, right? He's the, the Eeyore of the bunch, right? He's just dragging everyone down, you know, oh, well, you know, and even in John 11, you know, Jesus is talking about going to Lazarus's tomb and the disciples don't even get it and Thomas like, well, let's go and die with Jesus too, you know? He's just like, oh, you know, this Thomas, right? He just sees it all in, in full color and he sees the reality of the death of Jesus and he's like, man, I just don't believe it. The disciples told him, verse 25, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the wounds from the nails in his hands, put my finger into the wounds from the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Total realist. Give me the facts, give me the details. Let me actually physically, scientifically examine it for my own. sake. I don't believe it. I just can't believe it. What what Thomas is telling us, and he's affirming to us, Christ was absolutely dead on the cross. And he's like, until I see something that would change my opinion about it, I know that to be true. He was absolutely, completely dead, crucified, executed. There were some in the early first century that were promoting this idea of Jesus kind of passing out on the cross the swoon theory, you know, Jesus just kind of, you know, I went to a coma, and, and they put him down, all of a sudden he kind of woke up, and that was sort of the resurrection, it was sort of a way to sort of remove the, the supernatural element of the resurrection, and that's totally not true, Thomas is telling us, no, no, he was dead, he was absolutely dead, nails, side, like, it, there was, it was over, so you're telling me you saw this dead man, how does that work? It doesn't work, it doesn't work. But they're so excited. Like, man, we saw Jesus. He was right here. He spoke to us. We saw his hands inside. And Thomas was like, unless I see it, unless I touch it, it isn't going to happen. And you know what? We should be thankful for Thomas because he asked the questions that maybe all of us are afraid to ask. Like, is it really true? Is it, and if it's really true, what difference does it actually make? Who do you say that I am? And Thomas believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. I mean, we've been going through these names of Jesus in the Gospels. I mean, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's, he's the, the merciful King. He's the King of Joy. He's the Son of David, the Messianic fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. I mean, he's all these things. And, 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 and Thomas, at this point, is like, well, you're, he's the dead Savior, the crucified one. And he's stuck there for a whole week. The other guys are <laughs> jumping for joy, and girls, and the whole, you know, the new movement is like, wow, he's alive, he's alive. And Tom's like, no, he's not alive. I don't believe it. I can't accept it. I don't, you know, oh, no, you know, it's just cloudy cloud. There's a cloud over Thomas. Everyone else is living in the sunshine. Thomas is living in the cloud. And, and, and then in verse 26, eight days later, God lets Thomas sit in this fog for a whole week. The disciples were together in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Same message, same ammo, locked doors, secure house. Jesus comes in, but peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and examine my hands. Extend your hand and put it in my side. Do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. What's amazing is remember this. I mean, we read the story. Like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But Jesus wasn't there when the disciples were talking to him before. Jesus didn't physically hear Thomas say, I need to touch his hands and touch his side and examine it for myself before I believe. I mean, he wasn't there. The only way that Jesus could have known this is if he was God and he was omniscient. And that somehow he was there, even though he wasn't there. I mean, only God kind of knows all things and is all places and, and has, has complete knowledge of everything. And so in order for Jesus to actually know this, he has to be God. Hey, Thomas. He imagines, he shows up, peace be with you. And it's the same, same message. Then he kind of looks at Thomas. It's like he's looking right into the soul, into his heart, to his, into the very depths of, of his whole being. He's like, hey, Thomas. Wink, wink. Want to touch my hand, Thomas? <laughs> I almost wonder if Jesus is showing a little humor here. Hey, Thomas, be on the side right here. You know, see that red mark there? Go ahead, go ahead. You know, just kind of dip it in there. You know, whatever. You know, Jesus is kind of having a little fun with Thomas here, but I think he's pointing at him and saying, look, I heard you say that, and here I am. Don't continue in your unbelief, but believe. And so today, across our city, men, women, children, are going to do something. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to, For many of them, it'll have no relevance whatsoever to this event we're talking about here. This life-changing, world-shaking event at, with eternal ramifications. They have no idea. Some of them are even asking the questions Thomas asked. They're just kind of doing their, their life as, as they know it. And, but, but we are blessed today to be able to say that there's something significant happening which changes our lives. and changes the whole world. Don't continue in your unbelief, but believe. And then here's what Thomas says, verse 28, the key verse. Then Thomas replied to him, my Lord and my God. Who do you say that I am? My Lord and my God. A Jewish man could not have made any more clear statement of God's divinity than possible. I mean, he's using the two words that that the Old Testament used for God, the the word Elohim and the word Yahweh, which were the Lord God from the whole Old Testament. He says, you are the Lord God. Now, let's be honest, right? In our culture, when someone says, oh my God, they're not bowing in respect to the one who died and rose again. They're just making a statement, oh wow, that's amazing, you know, oh, you know, they they rebuilt my house, oh my God. I mean, that's what people do. People in your workplaces Maybe even you do that. But the scripture makes it very clear that the name of God is a name to be revered and honored and respected. And when Thomas makes this statement, he's not making a, a, a swear word or a profane or a blasphemous statement. He's saying, wow, you are God. It's a confessional statement. It's a statement of faith and belief and acknowledgement that everything Jesus is and said and taught is true? Who do you say that I am? You are the Lord. You are the God. You are my Lord. You are my God. And it changed Thomas forever. According to church historians, Thomas was the guy that went to India and spread the gospel throughout India and on the route to India. I mean, that's kind of the, the historical kind of references. The Bible doesn't actually refer to that, but there are some traditions that, that reference them that way. But, but I think this event here was significant to him doing that. He didn't, couldn't believe, but then when he saw Jesus, he believed. He confessed. He exclaimed and, and, and acknowledged that Jesus Christ is God. And so in the New Testament, in the, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul will say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I mean, this becomes the confessional statement of the church. Whatever else you, you, know, you have and believe and follow and study, I mean, this is the foundation right here. Jesus is God. So these two ladies came to my house a month ago. And they were handing out literature. And it was a time I didn't have a lot of time to debate, so I just kind of cut right to the chase. Let's talk about Jesus, right? And we were talking about Jesus. And they believe Jesus is God's son. And then, she, and then I pushed her and I pushed her. And finally she's like, but Jesus is not God. I said, there it is, right there. And I quoted Thomas. I said, how could Thomas refer to, to Jesus in, right face-to-face and say, my Lord and my God, if he's not God? Now, they have a, a unique way to kind of dance around it, but it's there for us today as a testimony. First-hand witness to Jesus Christ in his resurrection, saw him in the flesh. He's telling us today a reliable account that Jesus is God. If he's not God, then everything that went on is just a joke. It's a horrific story. It's, it's like a bad movie, kind of like Last of the Mohicans or, you know, one of those movies where everyone dies at the end and you're just left feeling depressed. I mean, if he's not God, then this is a waste. It's just a tragic story. But, but if he is God, wow, like th- it changes everything. It changes everything. And so while we like eating chocolate and looking at little bunnies and chickies at Easter, it's way bigger than that. He is my Lord He is my God, but look what look what Jesus says there, verse twenty nine. And Jesus said to him, "Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet have believed." Do you know that Jesus was saying that about us today? That looking into the future as he as God is able to says, man, the people in Grace Baptist Church in 2017 on April 16th are going to be able to are blessed because they haven't seen me but they believe. He's including us in that statement. Remarkable. Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet have believed, and that's the story of Christianity for two thousand years. We have the eyewitness accounts. We, and there's so much evidence in the, in the New Testament which point to the resurrection and even other people referring to Jesus. And I, I mean, the, the, you, you can investigate it if you're not. And many have tried to disprove it and have found themselves followers and believers just as Thomas because as they, they are, are, are faced with the evidence, they have to answer the question, who do you say that I am? And they answer and they say, you are God, you are the Lord, you are the one who saves. And he ends the book in verse thirty and 31 it says, Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded, in this book, I mean, there's John's like, man, I, I got to write books upon books upon books of all that Jesus did, but I kind of just gave you the, the high points. I want you to, to get it. I mean, he's feeding 5,000. You know, he's walking on the water. He's, he's you know, turning water into wine. He's, he's raising Lazarus from the grave. I'm just kind of giving you the, the you know, kind of the bird's eye view. And, and of course, the key one is this one the resurrection. The cross is empty, the tomb is empty. Jesus is around and about and walking around. He's alive, he's coming back. He says in verse 31 but these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name there's two reasons John writes a story first is for those people that don't believe that you'd be convinced through the evidence the testimony and just the very character and person of Jesus that this is life and they would come to confess, just as Thomas did, that he is your Lord, your God, and, and discover salvation. Secondarily, I think he's writing to believers that, that have confessed and says, just be encouraged. Don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't be depressed. Don't be half glass empty, glass half empty. You know, don't, don't, don't walk around like Eeyore. Like, like realize that, that you've got a reason for hope, for life, for joy, for everything because of Jesus and his resurrection. He took care of it all. You know, this week we... We had a family lose a loved one. We had a family gain a loved one. That's life. Uh, People are entering the world, (laughs) little children through through birth, and, and people are leaving this world through death, and that's kind of the cycle. But Jesus comes in, and he kind of neutralizes the cycle because death no longer has any power, sway, control judgment because when you believe in Jesus Christ he just takes it out of the picture and so it's like you know what you, you can celebrate life you, you can grieve death but Jesus kind of just neutralizes it because he is the one who gives life the word believe is not just mental agreement to the facts I believe I believe it's true you know, you know it's, it's more than that it's a reliance it's a trustful reliance it's a, it's a dependence it's, it's agreeing with something to such a point that you're willing actually to, to stake your whole life upon it like Thomas, go to India, die in India probably for this. And the whole book of Acts is a, is a story of men and women that just kind of went to the, to, the, you know, just to the extremes because they believed this to be true. They confessed. When Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am?" that he was their God, their Lord. And it changed them forever. And Jesus is still changing people. Today. He's still in the work of bringing life to us. And there's, there, we can live life kind of at this level, which is just the, the physical level, or we can live it at the spiritual, eternal, relational level with God. And believing in Jesus is, is not just agreeing about what Jesus is and, and who he, what he said. It's actually entering into a relationship with him. It's, it's coming to know God personally through the one who died and rose again for us. This is what it means to believe. And so the first question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And, and John is inviting, the, is inviting you, as I am, to believe, to confess, to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the second is, for us believers, this is what life is about. And Easter should remind us to kind of trim the fat in our lives. I'm not speaking just, you know, you know, the turkey that we're going to eat or the pies. I'm speaking about the, the spiritual fat. The, the, the stuff in life that we just are just wasting our time is, is occupying our minds, is the fear in our lives, the, the anxiety, all that stuff that kind of, you know, the, you know, the overworking, all the stuff that we're, you know, kind of just blurs our vision of Jesus. Easter says, you know what, just kind of cut the fat. Let's get back to Jesus. He died, rose again. This is what where life begins, and let's build our life on that foundation. John's like, that by believing, you might have life in his name. Who do you say that I am? We've gone on this journey. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of David. He, you know, and there's, there's some people that don't believe in Jesus. We talked about them, but we want to focus on the good stuff. He's the merciful king. He's the king who brings joy, and now he's the risen king. He's the crucified king. He's the risen king. And today as we kind of end our service, we want to give you an opportunity. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you can respond and receive him today. And it's a gift that God offers to all of us. If you've been tracking with us in this series for the last six weeks, you're welcome to come. And, and what we have here on the side here, you'll see there's these little papers. And there's some pens there. And you can come and just write, you know, who do you say that I am? And this is kind of just your opportunity to respond in worship. If you'd like to do that, you're welcome to do that. I mean, that's just kind of for those that are more kinesthetic. They like to, you know, respond in, in a practical way. And you see the first service responded. Uh, this, this is who, who he is to, 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 the, to those that, that wrote down. And so I invite you, as, as Pastor Chris and the team leads us, in, in, in kind of just two songs of affirmation and, and faith and confession and belief in Jesus Christ and, and in God and in, in, in everything he's taught us, you can come and just write down on either side. Who do you say that I am? Is He the King? Is He your Savior? Is he, he's He. your Healer. He's, you know, He's the unending love. You know, and you can just look at them. But you can just write down personally. That this is and write it in big. This is not size ten font. This is size one hundred twenty font. So make it big, and, and just invite you to just to, to fill it up as if you'd like to. As we close here, uh, the team's going to sing, and, and you just are welcome to come up and write down how Jesus has spoken to you through this Easter season.